0: Welcome back to Living a Whole Christian Life. This is Dr. Jim Schrader. Hope you're having a great week, and it's great to be with you once again and share some time together around what matters the most. Today, I'm really excited to bring you what I'm going to call the rocks of the foundation. Again, much of this material is taken from my book entitled Holiness with a WH: The Unified Pursuit of Health, Harminess, Happiness, and Heaven. So before we start, the foundational elements, which is really a six-chapter series on the Key Elements of Holiness with a WH, we're going to talk about the rocks of the foundation. We're going to talk about the areas of which it's most important to really pay attention to when we're pursuing that sense of great foundation, of great success in God's call for us. I'm going to begin today with a Bible quote, and many of you have heard this over the years in many different ways. This is from Matthew chapter 7, verse 24-25, and it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Many times over the years when I've heard that, you know, you instantly think of a structure, a physical structure, and you think of even the fables around that when the wind blew, you know, where you built on sand or on rock and all those different things that come even from being a little child. But here today we're gonna to talk about the rocks of the foundation of our lives, our lives and faith as we're pursuing it in many different ways, but also very similar ways. And so we begin this idea that so often in life we have great intent. We have desires, we have drives, we really wanna do things. We feel on fire at times. But all of us have felt as if that fire, that drive, that great intent, many times kind of falls short. We don't get there. We don't really get where we want to go. So, I'm going to talk about what I call the three E's, first of all, of parenting. This was an article I wrote years ago after this book was originally published. And it was really focused on what I thought were the three E's of parenting. But the more I reflected on it, it's the, really the three E's of life. And these E's are the rocks of our foundation, our ability to follow the call no matter where God asks us to go. Our ability to kind of execute the roles in our lives each day that are part of that call. So the first E is the E of empathy. And empathy, just to distinguish this a little bit and define what I'm talking about, empathy is different from sympathy. And that sympathy is that you feel sorry for someone, for something that happened, right? And again, that's sympathy can be a great thing that we feel for someone. Maybe they had an accident or an injury or they lost a family member or whatever. But, but empathy goes even deeper. Empathy is even something even greater than sympathy because empathy says, I strive to understand who you are. I strive to put myself in your shoes. And even though I'll never be you, I'll never fully understand what it's like to be you. I really desire to know as much as possible the place that you're in right now. And the great thing about empathy, which of course is the opposite of apathy, is that empathy is always a source of connection with others, but it's also a source of connection with God and with our call that God asks us to do. You know, when we empathize, we really take the self out of ourselves and we try to place that in another person's place or another group's place. And so we ask ourselves, what is it like to be you? How are you feeling? What are you thinking? What's going on? What are your challenges? What are your stresses? What are your circumstances? What's the trauma you faced? So one of the E's of parenting and really of life and the foundational elements of holiness is our desire for empathy. We're not going to be perfect in it. We're going to make mistakes. But again, like everything else, what we can do is continue to put effort to understand what's it like to be in another person's shoes. The second E is endurance. Endurance is, you know, we often think of physical endurance. We think of those people who run, you know, mile after mile, or, or, you know, have these amazing endurance feats over the course of days and weeks. And certainly physical endurance is a part of endurance as I'm speaking. But endurance goes much broader than that. It's not just the physical endurance, but let's think back to those four dimensions I, I talked about in a previous podcast. It's psychological endurance. How well can we maintain energy even in light of anxiety that we might feel? or uncertainty, or even times of depression? How do we maintain a sense of endurance there? It's also social endurance. Think about in our lives how many social demands that we have all the time, whether it's with your kids, your coworkers, your friends. You know, some of it's really wonderful. Some of it can even be joyful. But if we're honest, we wear down. Socially, it takes a lot of energy, right? Where do we find the endurance to be with people, the intimate ways or the meaningful ways that we really need to be with them, that's so much of the endurance we speak. And ultimately, all of this is very much a spiritual endurance, right? We are that spiritual being, and where do we go in search of the energy, the wherewithal, that persistence to maintain the call? I think about all those holy people that I've ever come to know, and there's a term indefatigable, which means unable to be fatigued, I think that they all share that in some ways. Now, again, I want to be very clear. Endurance does not mean that you don't get tired at the end of the day or at different times. Of course, we're all going to get tired. We're all going to have periods by which we just feel like, ooh, my energy level is low. But the endurance I'm speaking is something even much greater than that. It's not the sense of our daily ups and downs a little bit as far as energy level or, or just having weeks even where you feel oh, like I can't, it's really hard to have the ability to kind of move forward. This type of endurance is that idea that it's a broader endurance, which says that I am not going to be fatigued in the ways long-term that I'm called to be psychologically, socially, that I strive to find that energy that goes beyond even like what the physical elements might offer. And that is the endurance that we're speaking of with this foundation. The third is what we would call emotional regulation. again, to clarify, we are all emotional beings, and emotions are a wonderful aspect of who we are. You know, if we were devoid of emotions, oh gosh, we would miss out on so much in our lives. In fact, even if we thought, oh, well, I could be logical and make the right decisions, logic in and of itself does not lead us to the right places often. It doesn't even lead us to the richest places. So I want to be clear when I talk about this. Emotion is so much part of who we are, and it's a wonderful part of who we are. But emotional regulation says, I have not only the awareness of how I'm feeling, I have the ability to understand what these emotions are teaching me and how to moderate or modulate or regulate my emotional state when I need to. And that's really critical because emotions left unregulated, well, again, we all know this, whether you're a parent or a person or anybody in the world, we're all people, right? We recognize that when emotions go unregulated, it leads us to places that we don't want to be. And the ironic thing about these three E's of what I call parenting in life is that they really intersect with each other. Although I'm describing them in separate terms, they're really all interrelated, right? Think about it. The more emotionally dysregulated I become, the more difficult it is to be empathetic, like to my kids, for example. The less energy I have, well, the more emotionally dysregulated I'm probably gonna feel, right? And so on. So there's a real intersection with these three E's. That the more we build capacity in one, actually, the better likelihood we'll have capacity in the others. But the more we reduce, the more our capacity is reduced in one. Well, the more likely we'll be reduced in others, right? So, as parents, I, you know, I'm going to use this example, and I feel this in my life many times. We so have often have intents. I want to do this for my kids, or this is important for me to teach my kids, right? I want to teach this particular value idea. So much of what we do, we have this desire or drive to afford our kids the things that are most important to them and to us. But the problem is, if we're all really honest, that so often that great intent, that great desire is thwarted by one of these three E's like, oh gosh, I really want to do this tonight with my child, but I was exhausted over and over. And I just keep feeling like I'm exhausted and I can't get there. Or I just knew in the moment. There was a better way to handle that situation, but I was so angry and so frustrated, I just went off on my son, and I just, I wish that I wouldn't do this. And so we've all found ourselves there. I know as a parent, again, of eight children, how many times have I stepped back and said, gosh, there was a better way to handle that, or he could have been more empathetic, or you know what, if I just had a little bit more energy, I think that would have been a really neat opportunity. You know what? It's okay. I want to just say, first of all, it's okay. We're going to find ourselves in many places. The last thing that this podcast and this entire thing about is creating shame that just doesn't help us go anywhere. If you feel guilty, then you know what? Guilt is one of those short term emotions that it says, let's do something about it. But the last thing that's helpful and beneficial is to say, ah, I'm shamed here again. What this is about, though, is about like recognizing that if we can increase the capacity in these areas, It's not just going to relate to how successful and productive we feel in fulfilling the roles that we're called. It's actually going to increase our capacity for joy, peace, and connection that we feel to others. And that's the beautiful thing about this is, and that excites me about these foundational elements that we'll describe much more in the coming chapters, is that when we go in their pursuit, I've often said before that we have a process-oriented God in an outcomes-focused world. God asks us to pursue virtue and our values that are... You'll never define what it means to be courageous or temperate or whatever. But if we go in search of a process, and this is the process of increasing our capacity in areas that allow us to be who we're called to be, then what we find in the process there is the outcomes will take care of themselves. But if we focus so much on the outcomes of where we have to be all the time and what we have to do and what we have to accomplish, we're going to find ourselves getting lost more and more because we're going to find ourselves being less empathetic, probably less energetic, and certainly less regulated because we're tired that the outcomes are not bringing us the joy, peace, and connection that we desire. On the flip side of those important three E's are what I'll briefly describe are the robbers, of our E Foundation. And these three robbers relate to the first, but they're also a little bit different than the first ones I mentioned. They are distraction is the first. Any type of distractions that take us away, whether it's technologically related, whatever kind of distraction it is, serves to reduce our ability to fulfill the roles that we're called, to increase our capacity and empathy and endurance and emotional regulation. And so it might seem like very uh, mindless distractions. It may not even be anything that elicited at all or significant. But as C.S. Lewis once said, any distraction, any distraction of any kind over time that derails us from our our goals, where we're at and where we're called to be, is, it's a problem, right? We live in a very distracted society. We're all going to be distracted at times. It's not, again, about feeling shame if you find yourself Overly distracted, but it is about recognizing the role distractions play in our lives and how it can really drain the well of where we want to be. The second robber of our E Foundation is, well, the opposite of endurance in some ways, but it's fatigue, not just physical fatigue, but emotional fatigue and even social fatigue. It's the idea of constantly feeling like I don't have the energy. And the third robber of the E Foundation, and this is going to come up, we're going to spend a few different of our podcasts as this is a particular chapter, it is anxiety. Now, again, I always make it clear when I talk to people about anxiety. Anxiety is actually a really good thing at a particular degree. So, for example, if you felt no anxiety at all walking onto a busy interstate, that's a problem, right? You really put your life at risk when you're not cautious, you're not anxious in some ways. And in fact, scientific research has indicated that a moderate level of anxiety is really good for performance, academically, athletically, even socially. You kind of are queued up. You're just at the perfect heightened awareness to be able to think more clearly and move and do the things you need to do. So some anxiety is good, but chronic, unnecessary anxiety over time really drains us. It drains that well very deeply. When we find ourselves chronically distracted, chronically fatigued, and just chronically anxious, what happens is we reduce our capacity. You know, we not only compromise the E foundation but we also reduce the time and space that we have to consider what's most important in our lives. And and oftentimes when people hear time and space, again, they think it in physical terms. I'm really talking about in psychological terms here. Think about your day, think about your past week and ask yourself, how much psychological time and space have I really given myself to reflect on what's going on? By psychological time and space, to define it a little bit more clearly, how much opportunity for clarity of mind for silence, for a sense of reflection have I given myself? Or do I never really feel like I give myself that time at all? Teens will be very quick to tell you one of their biggest fears is what's called FOMO, fear of missing out. So many of the teens today that I talk to, and most have devices, will say, yeah, I could turn my device off, but I never do because I'm really anxious, really anxious that if I do this, I'm going to miss out. And the problem with that is that being afraid to miss out, what they're actually missing out on is the opportunity for psychological time and space that comes with just disconnecting yourself from the world enough that you can connect yourself to where God's asking you to be. I was speaking to a group of college students just a couple of days ago, and we got to the end of this and we were talking about this topic of holiness. This one student, she looked at me in a very sad way and she said, you know what, last year, I went onto Spotify to see just how much music I listened to in the whole year, because, of course, records are available for that. And she said, I realized that I average eight hours a day of listening to music. Now, you know, again, the music she might have been listening to might have been fine. She didn't say that there was anything wrong with the actual music itself. But in a very sad way, she said to me, I realize I have this fear of silence. I have this fear of, in essence, psychological time and space. And so for eight hours a day, I'm listening to this music and I I think I'm missing something actually much greater. And this came on the heels, by the way, of us talking about in a typical lifespan, which is, you know, 78 to 82 years, depending on if you're male or female, that the average person these days spends about probably about 15 to 20 years connected to a screen or some type of media device or tech device. And so the, the college students were sitting there contemplating, oh my gosh, like I cannot imagine that that's how much of our lives we might spend. So when you look at this and you think, okay, empathy, endurance, emotional regulation, I understand like those are foundational elements. The real question is for us to be in to ask ourselves, if those are important to us, then we have to be honest. How much our distraction, fatigue, and anxiety potentially getting in the way. And if we're finding ourselves kind of contemplating any of those areas, then we begin to reflect, maybe there's some different ways I can go about things, very small different ways each day to reduce that distraction. Maybe I can increase that energy endurance and decrease the fatigue. And maybe anxiety is something we really need to take on as resistance. Not something just to avoid, but resistance is something much greater. And ultimately, as Merton once said, the only thing that matters is being who God calls us to be. If any of this really takes us away from that ultimate goal, then we owe it to ourselves to say, let's pull back and reassess the rocks of my foundation. Because here's the beautiful thing I leave you with at the end of today, that if we open ourselves to this foundation, we open ourselves to this possibility what I believe and what is promised throughout generations is that we truly would find an unlimited source of peace, joy, and promise as God's design would have. hope you have a great day and a great week. This is Jim Schrader. Be holy. Be whole.